Hey traders, David Frost, My Strategic Forecast. You're here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Monday, December 4, 2023. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? A lot of stuff on the docket, and we're going to start with this. We have a tinfoil hat-ish event coming up. It's not tomorrow, but we're going to talk about it a little bit later in the video because we're going to give a lesson about a lesson about these type of tinfoil hat events slash cycle kind of analysis. We're also going to touch on gold, which had one whopper of a reversal today. If you look in your email inbox, you'll likely see something from somebody that says, emergency update on gold. There's going to be a flood of emails from who's ever selling something about gold. Let's get to the daily chart of the S&P using the SPY. Let's see what we have from a big picture perspective. The first thing you'll notice is a tail on today's candle that goes up to a high of 459.12. Now, was the market up at that high today? The answer is, no it wasn't. If you look at an hourly chart, you can see that the morning high was 456.83, the afternoon high 456.94, nowhere near the high depicted on the daily chart. We call these shenanigan tail candles it usually goes to a gap what's the high 459.12 what's the gap the price left open from friday's close 459.05 open 459.04 close we'll call it 459.05 the shenanigans tail goes just slightly above that now that doesn't mean directly that price will be up there tomorrow it can be up there tomorrow thursday next tuesday maybe not at all it's a shenanigans tail candle we write it down we know about it it's awareness but if price is heading back toward that gap anyway guess what the gap becomes a target so it's no wonder these shenanigan tail candles typically culminate at the nearest gap we'll give that a funny how that works big picture scenario above the trend line she's bullish below the trend line she can fall yet again the markets had a tremendous run so they were down 20 25 points today in the S&P no big deal a little bit more earlier what do they do they ran a test of the trend line once again First time, best time. Put this in the memory bank because when we go over to inside the numbers in the live room, you'll know that we were what? We were buyers at the trend line. Of course we were. We'll talk about apples later on in the video. If she gets below the trend line, what's the likely target, at least near-term target, on the downside where there's some unfinished business? It happens to be 453 27 might want to put that on a sticky note what happens below 453 27 pay attention if she's doing it this week whether it's tuesday wednesday thursday doesn't make any difference if she gets below the trend line and she gets below that unfinished business we just discussed what's the next place 
the big fat or semi-fat round number of 450, give or take. Maybe she spikes it, maybe she comes up short, but that would be a bona fide level slash area of support. One more write down, even down to 448.75. Each one of those numbers slash paces is an area where they can bounce the tape. A bull bear battle can ensue. From a weekly chart perspective, once again, looking at the bigger picture, getting a sense for where is the market, what's it doing, and what's it likely to do next when it finishes doing the thing that it's doing. Let's look at this logically. Found a low, ran all the way back very quickly to retest the former high, the most recent high. Got above the high, got above the trend line, closed above the trend line, We'll call it one week in a row. The week prior, she closed on the trend line. That's still a positive development. However, markets don't do anything in a straight line most of the time. There will be pullbacks. Are we getting ready for a pullback and a resumption of the uptrend into the end of the year, into January, one of those type of situations? We'll get a better handle on that depending on what type of pullback we have. Now, that brings me to the next thing, which is tinfoil hat stuff, cycle stuff. We've got an important time frame culminating right around mid-month. Just call it a little over a week from now. Call it sometime during the week of regular way options expiration week, which is the week ending the 15th, maybe into the following week a little bit. That general area is where the market should A, find a pivot, and B, put in a high or a low. Let's say she pulls back for a week or so, week and a half, give or take. We would be looking for a low and a resumption of the uptrend. Let's say she travels up for the next week and a half or so. Guess what? Looking for a pivot back down the other way. We don't know which one it's going to be. We'll know more when we get to that time frame towards the middle of the month, but I wanted to put this one on your calendar. Bigger picture perspective, it's a bullish signal. You have a low, you have a higher low here and a higher low here, and then you also have another higher low. This is a bullish signal. You've run right back to retest the former high, They were not yet rejected. Pullbacks are not necessarily a rejection. And she's above all the moving averages. And the trend is your friend until what? You got it until it's over. What's the next number above, by the way, in case they run them up? In case you wake up to another gap higher open, what's the number above? For 62.70. Might want to write that down, put it on a sticky. They'll get there eventually. 462.70. I'm sorry if you're running out of sticky notes today. Let's go back to tinfoil hat stuff, go back to cycles, and I want to tell you something that most of you may not know. And keep in mind, there's a method to the madness. Everything around us affects everything around us. Things that impact us in our daily lives impact the markets. Why? Because people trade and invest in the markets. The market is made up of market participants slash people slash computers, but 
people programming computers and also computers are programmed to decipher human nature because that's what drives the market. What if you just took a step back and say, well, what's an example of cycles and where do they come from? And it's not just market-related cycles. Let's talk seasonality for a moment. And seasonality has a lot to do with cycles. But it's not so easy just to say, hey, there's four seasons, therefore there are four cycles every year. That's not the case in the market. But just to show you from a long, long time ago, who knows when, these seasonality things impact other things, not just the market. Somebody created a deck of playing cards. What's the meaning of a deck of playing cards or within a deck of playing cards? Well, let's just give some facts out. The most common thing is 52 cards represent 52 weeks in a year. Okay, two colors, about day and night. The black and red, I'm saying. 13 cards in a suit represent 13 weeks in each season. Four suits times 13 cards equals back at 52. This stuff harkens back to agriculture and how farmers use the seasons with no modern-day sophistication. They use the seasons to run their business. Seasons are important. They do impact the market. You just have to know how to use them. Seasons are part of cycles to be continued at another time. That was just a taste test, a small flavor. Who made money today inside the numbers? If you did, head over to the comment section under the video and let's hear about it. Even though it was in slow motion, the trade today was what we call in the trading parlance picture perfect. And once again, we had something for everybody. We had some traders take short we had some traders take long. We had stock on the move. We had some players in NVIDIA. We had some players in Meta. We had something for everybody. Read the notes, pause the video, go back to the chart, and double check the work. What I'm going to do is highlight a few things, but I like to get the commentary of record. Here's a five minute chart. We think better in pictures, so right of the vertical is today's activity. You see the trend line down here at the bottom. That was basically give or take low of day. No surprise there. And then you have a blue trend line at 455.50. So let me explain, Lucy. We had some other numbers intraday live room inside the numbers. They'll be posted on the board. I'm going to scroll up and you can see them. One area was overhead resistance. Some traders did take a short up in this neck of the woods. Those traders got paid on the way down. Now, on the way down, we had a spike the low and rip it back up in the other direction trade with a caveat. Here's the caveat. Here was the low. It was basically the first five minute or any candle of the day. And the low was 455.51. So there's your blue line, 455.50. Spike the low, but the trend line is close by. So you have to give it a dollar spread, which means this. If you're willing to buy the market at 455.50, then you must be willing to also enter the same trade with another position at the trend line at around 454, 55, 50 in that neighborhood. That's what was said in the live room. That's basically on the board. We call it a zone. Once you're in the trade, they start to bounce back. Your average cost, worst case scenario, is 455, and the rest is history. That was the bona fide morning trade built for everybody. Think about it like this. How many traders 
have no idea about this trend line, thought the market was just going to fall out of bed, have no idea where support is or why, and therefore got caught with A, their pants down, and B, missed a trade. The pants down part is traders love to short the market as it's going down with no recollection, with no idea of where the low is, and they generally get, more often than not, a big fat pie in the face. What did the shorts get today? A pie in the face, the ones that shorted in the hole. What's in the hole? When the market's already down, I'm not talking about shorting the morning high area like some traders in the live room did. I'm talking about shorting down here as they're breaking down, so they thought. That's not what they were doing. They were going to run a test of the trend line. Said it at least 1,500 times in the live room today. Many, many participants in this trade it was in slow motion but it doesn't matter remember pause the video read the notes go back to the chart to double check the work it's all in here all the numbers entries exits the what ifs the just in casers support resistance pivots everything you need to effectively trade in the S&P each and every day like I tell the traders in the live room all the time I have a relationship with the S&P. I have a pretty good idea of what they're doing intraday each and every day. It's not going to be right all the time. I get trades wrong. I'm human. It's part of the business. But way more often than not, we get them right. We get paid. What do we have from a stocks on the move perspective today? Well, we had four potentials on the board one hit its entry objective, three did not, the three did not are off the board, they're considered no trades. ALK did, it says jumped target, so let's take a look at exactly what that means and how it, as they say in the trading parlance, panned out. ALK getting a buzz cut at the open, there's a buyout situation, they're buying Hawaiian Air, and they're getting a haircut at the opening bell. So you can see the first number on the board was 34.35 and they opened below it. So what happens to that number? It's off the board. It does not exist. We go to the second number, which was 33.16. The next place down was 32.14, creating a zone of about a buck from 33.16 down to 32.14. That was the bona fide trade. They did it gave you the base hit, and then some. You never know which ones are going to give you the rocket ride, which ones are going to give you a base hit, stand up double, and so on. Painting by the numbers, your average is about 32.60 and change. They got to a high of about 34.28. That's at least a stand up double. The numbers work. What's going on over in Camp IWM? Quite interestingly enough, they were up today, relative strength, up over 1%, $1.98 against the SPY. That was down 241, about one half of 1%. Why the divergence? Because the IWM, as I said in the live room today, is on a mission. We have a community, if you will, trade, swing trade from the live trading room in the IWM and any like vehicle. We're in the small caps from a live room perspective on a swing trade basis. We don't do that a lot, but we did it here. We talked about it. I reviewed it in the video. We talked about it in the live room a number of times. Traders in there know exactly why. They're on a mission to get to 190. 
we treat each chart independent of one another. We basically took this bull flag pattern and bought it. Apples? What's going on with the folks down at the transportation department? Well, they're headed in the same direction as Camp IWM. Now, what do we have to say about that? Well, my favorite market leading indicator is the IWM. My second favorite market leading indicator are the transports. They are my favorite canary in the coal mine, both going the opposite direction of the S&P, the NASDAQ, and the Dow is down a little bit today too. What about the Q people? Into the 20 period moving average, peeked their head into no man's land, but didn't want to stay there, pop right back up. This is an important place. And we looked at this each and every day in the live room and in here in terms of the smash mouth or semiconductors. We're going to go over there in a few minutes, but this is the same type of scenario. This low here is important at 383.18, so they tested it, they spiked it, coincided with around the 20 period moving average, and they bounced off of it. So this is good for support at least and at minimum generally from an intraday perspective so that did work today doesn't mean they won't be back down tomorrow it was support first time best time write that down on a sticky note xlf the financials nothing wrong here just a little bit down today not much four cents it looks like at the end of the day they're still in an uptrend they're just extended they're too far from home base a pullback is in order from where and when we'll know it when we see it we don't have to guess we're not going to guess and be short the xlf we're just expecting them to pull back and if they pull back to a decent area it may represent a buying opportunity if not for the xlf for you individually maybe for some of the stocks within the sector that's how we use this information smash mouth Remember this, same thing we just looked at with the Qs. Smash Mouth is ahead of the power curve. However, look what happened. So they got below here. The low is 159.52. They filled the gap or did not fill the gap? They did not fill the gap. They missed it by pennies. It is now unfinished business. Tried to rally back. Got stymied at the 20-day moving average. Now, they got below here and stayed below here for the first time. A close below. So that's bearish going forward. If they pop back up, you take the bearish off the table. They've got unfinished business down here. Missed it on purpose. Why do I say that? There are no accidents or coincidences around the market. Therefore, they do it on purpose. Why did they do it? To screw two factions of traders. Those looking to exit a short at the gap. Those looking to buy the gap from an intraday perspective. That, my friends, is sponsored by the Trick, Trap, Fool, and Frustrate crew. What's going on over in the gold camp? That is one whopper of a reversal. So they got to a high today all the way up at 21.52 and change, and they came all the way down to a low of 20.38.40, over a $100 swing from high to low in gold today. They fill the gap. So what they really did was, when you look at the monthly chart, they spiked the high and they pulled back. Nothing more, nothing less. It doesn't change the long-term uptrend, but you need to pull back. When markets go up, they pull back. The question is, from where and to where? Where would gold pull back to that may represent a buying opportunity? For now, you might want to put this on a sticky note. I would be in the spike of 2000 camp down to about 
1985, give or take, should be A, a target, and B, an area where a bull bear battle ensues for a bounce back in the other direction or more. Sticky note material. Why don't we wrap things up on Bitcoin? Where's it going? Back to 100,000, 65,000, a million? Well, here's what I've got. How about 43.4 and change? And this is an approximate. Bitcoin's a little whippy, doesn't necessarily always go to the penny. However, 43, 420, 425, 430, in that neighborhood, up to 46.4. That is a zone of overhead resistance. Also, a target on the way up for the bull case. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. We're pulling the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.